Hi, my name is Jana Metzger. Welcome to the Gospel House. Our mission here at the Gospel House is to show the world that the gospel of Jesus Christ is enough. That in the gospel, we can find all of our deepest needs met as the entire church responds to and applies the implications of the gospel. We would love to show it with you. Check out our website, www.thegospel.house, where you can learn more about us, find out how to connect with us, ask questions, see when and where our next meeting is, and give to help advance the gospel message of Jesus Christ. But today, we talk about dependence. This response that must come with revival, dependence. Independence is what this nation has been built on. But independence is a deadly, deadly character trait when it comes to your spirituality. And unfortunately, we have let independence infiltrate the gospel here in the United States. Now, listen, God has absolutely called you to be free from sin. You are free from sin. If you are in Christ, you have been set free from sin. But here is the problem. You are not free from all restraints. There is this idea that we have in our current culture of this absolute freedom that means we get rid of all restraints, and it has worked its way into Christianity. And that is absolutely not a thing that Jesus gives us. This isn't a popular Western teaching, and we know this because all of the current Western translations of the Bible they do their darndest to work out their translations so that they get rid of all of this stuff in the Bible. But if you read older translations, if you read the New American Standard Bible, which is what we use here, you will see a lot of this term, bond servant. Bond servant. And actually, the original term that was used there was bond slave but slave has a very negative connotation around it today, so we don't like to use that. So we say bond servant, but I dare you, go through the New Testament, go through Paul's letters, go through Jude. You guys know who Jude is? Jude, the brother of James? Yes, he's got that tiny little book right before Revelation. You're, by the time you're there in your Bible and you're playing, you're just ready to get it all over with, so you just fly right through it. Jude opens his book, and says, Jude, the brother of James, a bond slave of the Lord. Even Jesus' own mother. It's one of my favorite parts in Scripture. You know, the angel comes down to Mary and says, hey, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. What? I mean, imagine that. Like, that's pretty heavy, right? You're going to give birth to the Messiah. And Mary's response, behold the bond slave of the Lord. I will do as you wish. Ladies and gentlemen, over and over and over again, these people who are writing the Bible, referring to themselves as bond slaves of the Lord, they are doing it because they are dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Right? We know this, right? When these men wrote this Bible, they didn't do it on their own accord. They did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. They did not just write the Bible by the power of the Holy Spirit. They lived every day of theirs dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit. 
we've got this nasty idea today that we can do Christianity on our own. And ladies and gentlemen, there's a Martin Lloyd-Jones quote that just came to me. I didn't look it up, so I'm not going to get it exactly right. But he says, if you, being a Christian, are walking in your own power, take it from me, you are not a Christian. That is hard, right? Come on, pastor, be kind. No, don't. Be truthful. I want the truth, right? Do you want the truth? Or do you want somebody to sugarcoat you and give you a soft, cushy pillow? And Let's hit hard, right? If the Bible hits hard, let's hit hard. Because we've convinced ourselves that we can do this on our own. One of the most impactful sermons I've ever read is by Jonathan Edwards. And it's actually public domain now, so if you want, you can go home and Google Jonathan Edwards, God glorified in man's dependence. And you can read the whole thing for free. Yay! But it's so impactful. And the whole thing is about, guess what? God is most glorified, not by your worship music, not by your heart, not by your feelings, by your dependence upon him. That doesn't get preached much today, does it? Do we want to glorify God? Then let's give him our dependence. It's no coincidence Jonathan Edwards wrote that sermon and revival swept New England while he preached there in the 1700s. Dependence upon the Holy Spirit is a lost art in the church. We lean on everything except the Holy Spirit. Charismatic preachers, hip new things, what all the other cool churches are doing, best business practices, but we don't depend on the Holy Spirit. So how can we glorify God? So let's depend on the Holy Spirit, and we'll do it in three easy steps. First, be filled. Second, what it looks like. And three, the result of dependence. So first, be filled. This is one of those points that should be so obvious, or is so obvious. It's like when the dictionary definition gives you the word in the definition. Like, what's flabungus mean? The principle of being flabungi, right? And it like uses the definition. That's not a real word. I made that up, but right? It's like, come on, man. Of course, that's what it means. Tell me what it actually means. But we've got to get this. We must be filled. And we see it in our scripture reading from today. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, and I put it in red so you didn't miss it. Wasn't that kind of me? Filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for the benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands before you in good health. You cannot be, here's your obvious point of the day, you cannot be dependent on something or someone you don't have. Right? So you got to be filled. That's the first step. This is the first step of dependence. Here is the problem. There is no option to stay empty. Western church, we've bought into this lie that we have the option to stay empty. I've taught on this before. It's been a while. But Jesus teaches something that should absolutely terrify us if we're paying attention. Matthew 12, Jesus says this, 
Now when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Empty, right? Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. That is why, or I'm sorry, that is the way it will also be with this evil generation. Now listen, some of you know me, some more than others. I am not somebody who cries spiritual warfare or spiritual attack behind every little thing that happens in my life, right? Guys, the computer won't turn on. How are we going to have church service? Satan and his minions are working overtime on the gospel house today. No, Jeremy, you didn't plug it in. Oh, (laughs) right. Electricity, right? Oh, I feel so sick. I can't preach today. This is a spiritual attack. No, you ate 17 chicken wings, the blazing, you know, things from BW3s last night while you're watching an Ohio State game that's not really a game, and now you feel sick. That's not a spiritual attack, y'all, right? But, 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 there are things going on around us that we do not see every single day. The Bible tells us. And the problem is we look at this story from Jesus, we look at this lesson from Jesus, and we sweep a lot of these things away and say, oh, well, he's just, he's just you know, giving us an analogy. He's just giving us imagery. You know, we don't have to take this seriously. You're right. He is giving us imagery. But there's a point to the imagery. And the point is this. Look, it's in the Bible. Jesus said it. You cannot stay empty. We have convinced ourselves in this independent gospel that I can have my time. I've got, there's Jeremy time here, right? And then there's God time over here. But my time is mine, and that's when I unplug, and I take care of myself, and I play video games, and I watch Netflix, and I, you know, do, do whatever, but that's my time. God doesn't get to touch my time. False. Guys, that doesn't exist in the gospel. Nowhere. There is God's way. Have you heard this before? There is God's way, and there's man's way. And guess what Jeremy time is? It's not God's, right? Because here's the problem, and look, y'all, again, you all are perfect. I am the sinner. My problem, when I've got Jeremy time, I pull this little guy out. This is my cellular device. All right, I pull this out, and I do whatever, you know, get on social media. I don't have social media anymore, so I don't do that, but I play little games on my phone. Tetris, let's say Tetris, all right? So I wake up, and I've got every day, okay, this is, this is self-help. This is self-help. It's cleansing. It's good. I play 10 minutes of Tetris every day. But see, then the problem is, at minute 10, I get to level 16, and I've never beat level 16, so it's like, oh, I got to, okay, okay, Jesus will understand, he, grace. And so I, I play, but that's what keeps happening, right? And that 10 minutes becomes 20 minutes, and that 20 minutes becomes an hour, and that hour becomes two, three hours, and it gets to the point where all of a sudden I'm playing Tetris when I should be part, paying attention to my family, right? 
just, 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 just a minute, kids. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, how was, how was your day? Yeah, yep, yep, Tetris. There is no such thing as you time. And if you leave that time empty, because we think it's empty, right? When I'm on my phone, that's just empty time. Uh, guys, I've heard this I've, in healthy pastor seminars. This is what they teach. You should have something where you can just unplug. There is no such thing as unplugging. Jesus says, if it stays empty, you leave yourself open to whatever comes in and fills it. Jesus gives another, I'm cross-Jesusing analogies here, putting Jesus into Jesus, right? But Jesus gives another analogy where he talks about a thief coming to rob a house, right? What's he say? Before a thief robs a house, he's got to tie the guy up, right? He's not going to rob a house while the guy's just walking around in there. So he goes and ties the guy up. So how do you make sure the house doesn't get robbed? You've got a guy in there who's stronger than the thief. Ladies and gentlemen, the Holy Spirit is stronger than any thief who comes to kill, steal, or destroy. Right? So if you fill your house with the Holy Spirit, there is no room for anything else to come in and fill. But ladies and gentlemen, in our independent culture, we have rooms we don't let the Holy Spirit in. We section off our lives so that this is me time and this is Jesus time. And Jesus doesn't offer that. I'm sorry, y'all, but it is not in this book. Jesus wants it all because Jesus gave it all. You have got to choose, because here's the thing. Whomever, with, with whomever you are filled, that was proper English, with whomever you are filled, that's who you're going to be dependent on. Right? So if I'm dependent on the Holy Spirit, if I'm filled, I'm sorry, if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be dependent on him. But if I've convinced myself that Jeremy gets me time and I leave myself empty, guess who's driving that ship? Oh, stupid, stupid Westerners. <laughs> we think it's us, right? We think we have control, but we don't. The enemy makes it look like we have control, but as long as you are serving self, you have no control. Give control to the Holy Spirit. Give control to Jesus and be dependent on him. Stop buying into this lie that we can do it because we can't. We've got to be dependent on him. So, we all want to walk by the Spirit, right? We all want to do this, right? So the question is, what's it look like? Because we talk about this a lot. We talk about what being filled with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, being dependent on the Spirit. So what does that look like? First, let's talk about what it doesn't look like. It does not look like copying other successful Christians. I read a Francis Chan book a long time ago, but he put one of the things he had in there, I highlighted, I still have the quote saved on my phone, but it says, it is easier to copy people than to hear God. That doesn't mean it's difficult to hear God, but it means 
that it's easier for me to look around and find, oh, there's a Christian. I like how he looks. And most of the time in the church world, it's, I like the size of his church. I like how much money he makes on a Sunday. And so I'm going to start copying him. I'm going to look just, I'm going to preach like him. I'm going to watch his sermons. I'm going to phrase my, my points. I might even just steal his sermons. <laughs> why, why not, right? Sermoncentral.net, awesome. There is a website called that. So, sorry. But anyway, but we, and, and, and it's not just that. Guys, we, we do it off of Bible characters, right? I'm going to make my life look just like David. Why? David didn't want to be like David, right? David knew he had a Messiah. He wanted to be like his Messiah. Be like Jesus, not David, but everybody else. Well, Jesus, he called them to be fishers of men, so that's what he tells all of us to do. No, that's what he told them to do. But we don't like the hard work of getting on our face and listening to God so that he can tell us what we're supposed to do. Because it takes work. It takes time, right? It doesn't take time for me to copy somebody else. I just look at them and, oh, okay, so they do this, this, and this. Awesome. Check. Did it. God, why aren't I, why aren't I experiencing these results? What's going on? Why am I broken? Because you're not listening to what he wants you to do. We've got to stop copying people. We've got to stop doing our best. Dependence is not doing your best. Because God gave you better than your best, right? We know this. We know this. We preach it. But the problem is we don't live it. We act like sin is this unconquerable thing. Well, I'm just going to do my best, but if I slip up, it's, it's not a big deal. Stop. Why are you doing your best when God has given you his best? Do his best. And it's not graduating from the power of the Holy Spirit. Moses falls into this trap. Some of you know this story. Moses gets banned from the promised land. So Moses, you know, leads Israel through the desert after they get done with Egypt. He gets to the very end of the road, and then Moses does something. And it's a great illustration on how we can fall into this trap of graduating from the Holy Spirit. So Moses, in Exodus 17... God tells him the Israelites are complaining because they're thirsty, there's no water in the wilderness, all this stuff. So God says, hey, walk over to that rock, strike it with your staff, and water's going to come gushing out. So Moses walks over to the rock, strikes it, water starts gushing out, right? So then, fast forward a couple chapters later, Exodus 20, there's another situation. Hey, Moses, there's no water, what are we going to do? Moses says, God, there's no water. What are we going to do? He says, all right, Moses, I want you to walk over to that rock over there. Moses says, <laughs> I got this, God. I know, I got this. I've done this before a thousand times. <laughs> I got this. Walks over to the rock, strikes it with the staff. Water comes gushing out. That's my favorite part of this story. All right, so, so anyway, God says to Moses after that, Moses, what are you doing? You're not going into the promised land now, bud. Moses says, what? What are you talking about? I did the thing you asked. God says, no, you didn't. Because if you were listening, I told you to speak to the rock and water would come pouring out. But you took off your training wheels. You thought you could do it on your own now because you've graduated from my help. Jesus does, I love the air conditioner stops and it gets silent. 
either really powerful point or everybody's sleeping. There is no graduating from God's help. Moses learned that the hard way. And really, I mean, that, it seems kind of harsh, right? Here's what's crazy to me. This is what I like so much about that story. The miracle still happened, right? Water still came out of the rock. Be so careful, y'all, because sometimes God, God, miracles happen because God is good, right? But sometimes even when we are so screwed up, don't chase miracles, right? Because sometimes you can be so screwed up and God is still working miracles through your ministry because he's good. He doesn't work miracles because you're good. That's not why he does it. But be careful. Don't chase miracles. Don't assume, well, this ministry is awesome because look at all the miracles they're doing. Don't assume that, right? Assume they're awesome because they do it God's way, because they do it biblically. That's what's awesome. But don't chase the miracles because God still works the miracle even though Moses screws it up. But, and here's the thing. It seems like a harsh, harsh punishment, right? I mean, all he did was hit a rock. It's not like he killed somebody. But the problem is God saw a seed, in Moses. It was a seed of self-dependence, right? And God said, if I do not crush that seed, it is going to be a deadly seed. If I let that seed continue to grow throughout eternity, it is a deadly seed and it must be squashed. So he squashes it. And yes, that squashing means that Moses can't enter into the promised land. But Moses did enter into the promised land. Not this promised land, that promised land. And that promised land is far better than any promised land down here. So Moses got his reward. He, he got what he wanted, what he was aiming for. But guys, it's that self-dependency. It is deadly, right? Now, I always use this illustration when we hit this point on dependence. I will always use this illustration because this is another one of those obvious things, but we call ourselves Christians, right? Right? So why should we be dependent upon the Holy Spirit? Well, let's, let's do, as Christians, Christians, let's do what Jesus did. What? John 12 49 to 50, Jesus says, For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Six times in the book of John, six times, you will run into this phrase. It's not always exactly in this order, but in some essence, not on my own initiative. Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High God, God himself in the flesh, says the words, I do not speak, do whatever, of my own initiative but I do only what the Father has told me to do. Jesus Christ was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he did only what the Holy Spirit told him to do. 
only what the Holy Spirit showed him to do. What is the most powerful prayer in the Bible? Mark 14, 36. Mark it down. Write it down. Mark 14, 36. You want to pray a powerful prayer? Write that one down. It is the prayer that Jesus Christ prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. It is the prayer that got Jesus Christ on the cross, to the cross. And what does Jesus pray? Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. That is the most powerful prayer in the Bible. It is the most powerful prayer you could ever pray. Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus Christ, full of the Spirit, so full of the Spirit that what was Jesus empty of? Himself, right? Well, how do you know that, Pastor Jeremy? Thank you for asking. Because Philippians 2, 5 through 7, another one of my favorite passages in the Bible, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Now, we talked about all those New Testament authors who called themselves bondservants. How about the author of life calling himself a bondservant, living his life as a bondservant in complete dependence to God? That's exactly who Jesus came to be. That's exactly who Jesus was born to be. In 100% of Jesus' life, he was dependent on his Father, dependent on the Holy Spirit. Why in the world do you and I think we can do it our way? Why in the world do I think that I get Jeremy time, right? You, you know, and, and you'll have proponents of the Jeremy time rule. We'll call it the Jeremy time rule, okay? Proponents of that will say, well, even Jesus retreated to secluded places to do what to be with his father even that wasn't his own time and i always love too because jesus secluded or, or you know removed himself to secluded places i always love it because actually the only time scripture tells us that he goes away to secluded places it also very quickly tells us that his prayer time was interrupted by his bumbling disciples right? Every time. And what does Jesus do? He does not do what you and I do, because when I get a phone call and I'm in my prayer closet, I convince myself, this is holy time I'm having. I can wait on that. He doesn't. Every single time, he responds to the need that they bring him. Every time. That's what Jesus does. <laughs> Christians, right? But yet, what Jesus does, well, <laughs> that was what Jesus did. <laughs> we're, we're over here. Then don't call yourself a Christian. Right? You're going to do what he does? You're going to do what he said? You're going to do what he did? 
Or do you know better than the Son of God? Because more than any other human being who walked the earth, Jesus Christ could have done this his own way. He was God, right? Jesus could have come to earth, said, listen, y'all, I know better than all of you, and I'm going to do it my way. And none of us could say boo, right? This is God. I'm not going to tell him how to run his show. But he didn't. He came and he emptied himself. He came and he was 100% obedient to the Father, dependent upon the Holy Spirit to do anything on this earth. What city he went to that day, what job he did, who he prayed for, what he prayed for, dependent on the Holy Spirit. So, what does that look like for us? First, you've got to hear God's voice. Talk practical stuff now. You've got to hear God's voice. And what is the number one way that you hear God's voice? Your Bible. For those of you listening on the podcast, I am holding up a Bible right now. You've got to be in your word. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Christians running around today who don't think this Bible is very fun. It doesn't make me feel good. I don't have fun reading it. But we still want to hear God's voice, so we go to every single prophetic conference in the universe, and you know we get on our face and ask God for the big, booming voice. Or No, not today. Today I want the still small one. So if I could have that and a side of fries, that would be great, Lord. But the problem is, here, and here's the thing, you will, hey, you can't stay empty, right? Let me tell you something. You search hard for a voice. You want to hear a voice? Search hard for a voice. You will hear one. The problem is, if you aren't in your word, you will have no idea if that's God's voice or not. I, I, there's a ton of people who love being prophets out there, y'all. I think I've met every one of them. Just kidding. <laughs> but... You'll get a word, you'll hear a voice, but if you are not in your word, you don't know what the shepherd's voice sounds like. You don't know what God's voice sounds like. You have got to be here first and foremost because that's how you learn how he speaks. That's how you learn what his voice sounds like. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, right? It's a promise from Jesus, you will hear his voice. He also says, my sheep know my voice. So you've got to get to know it because you don't want to be filled with the wrong stuff, right? You don't want to get a bunch of words that are out there and don't align with scripture. Go kill your neighbor because his shrubs are bleeding over onto your property. Well, I can say, boy, Jesus, I know your word and that doesn't sound like anything you would ever say. Not God. Yay! Pass the test, right? But that's why we've got to be in here. Because look, does that happen? No. I've never heard somebody tell me to go kill my neighbor, right? But there's a thousand other things that it could tell you to do that aren't black and white, but boy, there's some of those gray areas. Did God really say? Right? And so we have to know his voice. So you've got to be in his word. Guys, daily, Christian, look, I know it's a spiritual discipline. It's a chore. It's hard. Heck, guys, these, your phone, 
they, they have these cool, like, James Earl Jones and people who read the Bible to you. So if you don't want to read, that's, that's what we have Elam and Jubilee do. They're doing the Bible in a year plan with us. They're on it. They haven't missed a day yet. And all they do is they listen to it at the end of the day. And it's awesome because I don't think they're paying any attention. Like, I'll walk in there, and they're, like, wrestling and pillow fighting and stuff like that. And it's like, hey, guys, are, if you're going to listen to your Bible, you should probably listen to your Bible. But then they'll be like, oh, dude, we, we totally have been. Like, Jezebel just tried to do this crazy stuff. It's like, oh, good, it's Jezebel today. All right. So, but you can listen to your Bible. The point of it is be in your word. However you have to do it, be in your word daily because that's the way you hear God's voice. And then from there, after you are in his word, this is going to blow y'all's minds. So, listen to God. Do what he says. Mind-blowing, right? But when, so once you're in his word, you know what his voice sounds like, then you want to pay attention to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jiminy Cricket says, let your conscience be your guide, and nobody says anything about that. But then Christians say, listen to the Holy Spirit promptings, and everybody's like, oh, that's weird stuff. So you like Jiminy Cricket's advice, but not God's. Cool. But that's how God speaks. At least for me, that's how he speaks most often. I don't get bo big, booming voices. You know, there's, I, I don't get audible, like, Jeremy, go to Walmart and pray for people. That's not what God does for me. Some people, maybe, I don't know, but... I get promptings. I will be sitting there doing my work, and I get somebody's name in my heart. And so I stop and I pray for that person. I'll be sitting there doing work, and God will tell me, I mean, out of nowhere, read Psalm 39. I just made that up. But, and so I'll go read Psalm 39. But here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, if you ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit, it is going to get harder and harder to hear him. Okay? So if he prompts you, do what he says, however that looks like for you. If it is a big, booming voice, do what he says. If it's just you're reading your word, and you get to Titus, and you read something in Titus, and you think, man, I really should do this with so-and-so. Do it, right? Because that's the Holy Spirit working in you, showing you what to do. But if God is going to say it, we've got to do it, right? We've got to. We don't want to talk about all this stuff about, well, how do I hear God's voice? Stop. When you hear it, do it. And as you continue to do it, he's going to continue speaking to you. But here's the thing. Let's, let's pull it all together. Dependence. Like Jesus, we want all of our life to be like this. Every moment. I want to be paying attention to what the Holy Spirit's saying. That doesn't mean that he talks to me all the time, but it does mean that I am ready for him to talk to me all the time. When I'm sitting back there loading our podcast and drinking my coffee, God's not telling me, now push command M to export. That's not what he says, right? I just know I've got to get this podcast up online and I have to hit command M, okay? But... I am open every moment that if I am back at that computer loading the podcast and he says, Jeremy, I want you to stop what you're doing. I want you to drive out to Walmart. There's going to be somebody out there asking for money. I want you to take that person out to breakfast and talk to them. Deal. And I do it. My father-in-law's got great stories. He's, he's been going to Panera and 
just when God tells him to pray for somebody, guess what he does? He prays for them. He asks them, hey, can I pray for you? And he's got great stories of people that he's prayed for through this. And it's, you know, everybody, Pastor Jared, Ethan, like, you know, we all do these things. When you listen to God's voice, guess who shows up? God. And he does what we can't do. Listen to his voice and do what he says. That's what dependence looks like. And we've got to be ready for it because when we are and when we give him every moment of every day, I know, you know, a lot of times in churches we get into this, this burnout thing. Well, I don't want to burn out, right? Guys, God, listen to this. God knows how much you can take more than you know how much you can take. He will look out for you. I promise you. If you're scared, you know you're scared of burnout, boy, this giving him every part of my life, like that sounds, that sounds really tough. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep running that race. He promises, not Jeremy, not, this isn't a Jeremy promise, like, don't worry, guys, God won't hurt you. This is God promising. He will take care of you. Run. And listen, when he tells you to rest, don't keep running, right? When God says, hey, rest, spend time with me, recharge, then rest and recharge. But he will take care of you. So don't, don't worry about burnout. But when we get this right, when we get this right, we see the results, nope, the result of dependence. I did it. Oh. Actually, when I wrote this, I, I had my three main points, and when I first wrote point three, I put the results of dependence. But then I remembered something. This is actually, I think, this is, this is like the first lesson my father-in-law taught me when we started discipling together. It's just a couple years ago. It wasn't, not, not that long ago. But there is a story that Jesus tells. It's at, right after he feeds the 5,000. And all of these people come to Jesus. And they, they want to know, like, you know, Jesus, like, we want to do these cool things. Like, you just fed 5,000 people. Like, we want to do that too. Like, teach us how to do magic tricks. And so this is what Jesus says to them. It says, Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Did you catch it? These men, speaking in plural... Jesus speaking in singular. What are the works of God? There are no works of God. There is the work of God, and that is to believe in Jesus Christ. No works, just work. Believe in him. And here's the thing. Results are the same way. There are not results in dependence, in space dependence. 
not independence, one word, two words, right? Did you guys catch that? We got, we got to distinguish. The whole sermon would be ruined if we started talking about independence right now. Dependence, when we are dependent upon God, there is one result. And what is that result? Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. We love to focus on results because results say, oh, this is so cool. I never, I never went to college, but if I follow Jesus, he's going to make me smart. That's not the promise. Results. The result is they recognize them as having been with Jesus. See, actually, Paul says the exact opposite of this, right? Paul, in his letters, goes on and says, look, I'm a Pharisee, y'all. I was trained as a Pharisee. I was the top Pharisee. I know more than every other Pharisee out there. Yet, when Jesus Christ chose to work in me his ministry, he didn't work through persuasive words and eloquent speech. He worked through power and the demonstration of that power through the Holy Spirit. Right? Because God didn't call Paul to do the Paul show. He called Paul to serve him. And the results of that were that Paul worked in the power of the Spirit, not in persuasive words. But Peter and John get the exact opposite. They're uneducated men, and God chooses to blow these Pharisees' minds with the learning that these two have. I mean, come on, like these are Pharisees who studied Scripture their whole lives, and out of nowhere, these fishermen are starting to school them on what the Word of God actually says. It's a little intimidating, right? But the work is that Peter and John were recognized as having been with Jesus. When you are with Jesus, he will choose the outward results. He will choose the calling and, and the ministry and, and what that looks like in you. Your dependence focuses on being one who has been with Jesus. That's what dependence is. Never leaving his side. Holding his hand and letting him walk with you through it all. And that actually leads us to our last point, which we'll hit next week, and that is obedience. When we are dependent upon Jesus, it is characterized by a lifetime of obedience, of following him into whatever it is that he calls us to do. For this week, though, probing question, uncomfortable probing question. What are the areas in your life that you still need to hand over to the Holy Spirit? Because we all have them, right? Like I said, you all are perfect. I still have too much Jeremy time in my schedule. Unplugged time. So where are you relying on your independence? Where are you fighting for your independence? 
closets that God's trying to open and you're smacking his hand away, right? Don't open that one. There's stuff in there I don't want anybody to know about. He already knows, right? He saw your skeletons before they were skeletons. But what are the areas that you still need to hand over? You know, I got super convicted when I wrote this. This, this goes back to our dependence, but when, when I used to pray, I used to do a really good job at this. But even our prayer time, you know, we, we, we t- promise lately during dinner time, she's supposed to, we ask her if she wants to pray for her meal and she doesn't want to. So to like kind of coax her along, we're like, promise, come on, it's really easy to pray. You just tell God exactly, you know, what you're, what you're thinking, like just talk to him like a friend. And th- so the problem is we, we've taken that analogy a step too far as Christians because really prayer is a conversation with God, right? Can I tell you, Jeremy's conversation with God is normally 99.5% complaining, and then the other 5% is maybe thanking him for some of the things that he's done for me. Doesn't give God a whole lot of time to talk, right? I used to be really good at just listening to God. I read this quote from Mother Teresa. She did an interview with like 2020, and they asked her, you know, when you pray to God, what do you say? She says, nothing, I just listen. And they said, oh, okay, well then what does he say? She said, nothing, he just listens. And when I first read that, I was like, what? And then I tried it, and it was like, I get it. Your prayer time is really more about him downloading into you than you telling him what's going on because he knows what's going on. That doesn't mean it's wrong to tell him what's going on. That doesn't mean it's wrong to pour out your heart to him. But it does mean when you pray, give him the opportunity to talk too, right? And so many times, especially, you know, if we do altar calls and stuff like that, we'll have people come up and they'll come up and they'll say, hey, you know, my back hurts. So you say, okay, well, Lord Jesus, please heal this person's back. Did you ask God what to pray for? Because maybe God had a different plan. I'm going to pick on Tyler just because I know Tyler lifts weights. But, you know, Tyler, Tyler comes up and says, Jeremy, could you pray for my back? It's just really hurting today. So, okay. So I ask God, God, what should I pray for Tyler? Should I pray for his back? Like, sh- you going to heal his back? He says, well, Tyler tried to deadlift 6,000 pounds this morning. <laughs> and that's not humanly possible. And so you should tell him to stop trying to deadlift 6,000 pounds and his back's not going to hurt anymore. Say, Tyler, man, did you try to deadlift 6,000 pounds this morning? Yeah, how did you know? Well, God says to stop doing that because that's why your back hurts. <laughs> right? Somebody comes up and says, Pastor, I need you to pray. I just I haven't been happy. I'm going through severe depression. Okay, Lord Jesus, I pray for this man's happiness. Comes back the next week. I did what you said, Pastor. I divorced my wife. I'm with my mistress now. I'm happy for the first time. <laughs> Thank you what? I didn't pray that, right? But if I would have asked God, what do I pray for? He could have cut me off at the pass, right? Said, this guy's thinking about leaving his wife. He wants to be happy, but I'm not concerned with his happiness. I'm concerned with his covenant. And I say, buddy, do not leave your wife for anything. Stay in the covenant. God honors that. But we've got to ask God, what to pray before we pray it, right? We've got to listen. And so in our prayer time, 
even your prayer time is not your own, right? And that's a discipline I need to get back to, is listening to God so that I can hear him. And, and if he doesn't speak, then guess what? It's just me and God. Me being together with my Father. And that's always enough. It will always be enough. So let me challenge you. Can I challenge you this week? You got a one-week challenge, all right? Live your life every moment in dependence on Him. Because guess what? I promise you if you take the challenge, you'll never stop. It's like David's thing, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Once you've tasted and seen what he can really do when you hand him the reins, you're not going to go back. Anybody who has ever been in that position, you won't go back. So, let's do the hard work, church. Gospel House, let's be the church that when people look at us, they look at us and say, those are people who have been with Jesus. Because right now we have a world, whether they know it yet or not, they desperately want the real Jesus. And if we'll just show them what that looks like, I promise you people will want what you have. Amen? Amen. Let's pray and then I'm going to have Abigail come up and close us out. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day, Father God. And we just pray that you would help us to be dependent on you. God, that, that we would let go of this lie that we can be self-sufficient in anything in this life that you have created. And that we would lean entirely on you. Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us. Show us what it means to hear your voice. Help us to hear it more and more clearly. Help us to be lovers of your word, Lord God that we would just immerse ourselves in it and be surrounded by you. Help us to glorify you, God, in our dependence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Gospel House Podcast. We pray that you are pointed to Jesus and will apply what you learn to look more like him each and every day. If you found today's message impactful, do us a favor and hit the follow button. Leave us a rating and write up a review to help others find our podcast. You can also help us by sharing the podcast so that together we can show the world that the gospel of Jesus Christ is enough. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Head to our website, www.thegospel.house connect, fill out the form, and someone from our Gospel House family will connect with you. God bless you and remember, the gospel of Jesus Christ is always enough.